Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Huge weekend again. I say it every week. It's like a massive weekend of rugby, but this is actually a massive weekend. This year it has been. It's, it's always a massive weekend of rugby. We have the semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup featuring the four teams that everyone knew was going to make it. And it's going to be an absolute cracker because all four were in red-hot form on the weekend. We also have the All Blacks coming off a really disappointing performance. It was taking us back to the Island series, really, wasn't it? Before they take on Wales this coming weekend, who also have their problems as far as injuries are concerned. What on earth did Scotland do against Australia to not win that? And a good look ahead to all of the games this weekend. James Parsons joining me in the Auckland studio. Thanks for joining us again, Jipper. Pleasure, mate. Yeah, you must have watched a lot of footy on the weekend. Oh, weekends. plenty. It's even more this weekend, though. Oh, goodness me. Did your wife ever see you? <laughs> she does. It's the beauty of my sky. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. the beauty of my sky. <laughs> you watched it through the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> and Bryn Hall, who... Went to the game on the weekend in Tokyo. Oh, I wish the camera oh, no, caught you souping some uh, beverages there, brother. Well behaved. I was just going to say, man, if they uh, if they pan down a little bit more, there was a few asahis in the old um, <laughs> in the old the seat below me. So, but no, it was really good. Awesome, different atmosphere. To be honest, it's the first time that I've really experienced um, a Japanese game, and very, very quiet, very observant, and I'm um, just kind of cheer when things happen. So. But look, no, look, we'll touch on it. But, but what a great game! Look, the Brave Blossoms, man, they were um, they were brave and in, in, in spades. So, look forward to going a little bit more detail around the All Blacks in Japan. Yeah, we'll get onto that very soon. But let's start with the Women's Rugby World Cup semi-finals coming up: mm. New Zealand against France, England against Canada. The Black Ferns' performance was strong, and particularly in one area mm. that maybe we hadn't seen from them before, Jeff. No, and probably haven't seen for for about 12 months is up front. Like that was the balance of the squad was so perfect. Like it was throughout the whole 80. Didn't matter, you know. Like Pip Love doing the job up front. Then Murray comes on and they dominate that scrum. Nawu coming on um, late in the piece. You know, there's question marks why she wasn't starting, but I think Bremner was outstanding alongside Ruse. So. Um, I, I think I don't. I wouldn't change too much in that pack going into this week. It was the most complete performance, um, you know, from them up front. There's some opportunities they may feel they left out there, um, out wide. But in terms of providing a platform, um, the only blemish you can really have a crack at is there are a couple of side entries called um, on their attacking breakdowns. But even their defensive breakdowns were massive, uh, getting line-out steals, uh, winning their own ball. Um, there was just yeah, it was just really really sharp throughout the full 80, and and that just has to give them confidence because if you watch that French quarterfinal, 
they were they were pretty formidable up front as well. So they they will have to lift another uh, a gear going into this week, but that must give them some confidence leading into the semi-final. Mm. Bryn, do you think that what we saw from that forward pack is enough to deal with the likes of France and England, whose forward might is renowned? Oh, we're going to find out. But I think the great thing in probably the last 12 months, you know, we were here last time, you know, this time last year, talking about the defence issues and also even the set-piece issues. But look, against that Welsh team here, they probably struggled a little bit. Scrum time last time they played them were very, very dominant. And, you know, the kind of top-quality ball that we're getting from our lineups, which we just weren't getting 12 months ago, is really giving the likes of Flula, Woodman, Tui, um, Letienga opportunities to be able to um, use that attacking break. Because, look, that's the way they're going to go. They're going to use that, um, the ball in air quite a lot. And I think the forward pack, you talk around the breakdown work, that is just such an improvement that they have had. The tip lines, the animation, the mark coming out the back in your offloads, um, they all are in sync. But, you know, I think the best thing about it is that they're prepared and they've got the cohesion a little bit through the duration of this competition. And the step up is going to be a lot more. But to be honest, I think they're ready with all the growth and the signs that they've shown over this World Cup and even in their, um, the rugby championship, the, the girls version playing the, the Wallaroos quite a lot. Um, it's a great time for them, and I think they're ready, definitely ready to play the French. You talked about the animation. They reminded me a little bit of the Irish men's team. There were bodies in motion in mm. all sorts of directions. There was so much going on there. It's the trust and the communication, though, that makes it. If you watch Woodman's try just after half-time, like, they're just throwing... They're not even looking. They're just popping it up, and there's, there's bodies coming from depth and punching onto it, and then they're, they're just committing a defender and going and going... And they make it look simple, but it's not. Like to, to have that timing, that trust, and the ability to you know pass at the right time, that commits two defenders, that creates space for the other player to go in. And then I have to single someone out. Fitzpatrick is just on fire at the yeah. moment. She is the real glue that is allowing those opportunities to be taken. Some of her wide balls, but also her short passing. But then the stuff that will go unnoticed is her decision-making. When she makes a break, she could just throw a 50-50, but she keeps it. She recycles another breakdown, and then they score two or three phases later. Um, she has just made that 12 jersey her own. The likes of having Flula, Fitzpatrick, and with, the, with having Woodman and Tui, and even Litianga, the defence on the edge that they're bringing at the moment oh, yeah. is really, really good. Under, under stress, you know, they're making very good decisions. And, you know, you look at Flula, how many times she went, was able to go ball and all, spot tackle, get up, flood the ruck, and then being able to build defensive pressure off that. Because, look, I think defensively they've been really, really good. They just probably haven't been tested. But the French this week, I know they're going to, you know, probably go a bit more to their set piece. But the decision-making with Flula, Fitzpatrick, um, and those wingers on the edge, defensively, look, we've been sound. We've been um, had a great defensive um, system and done some really great tackling on the wide edges due to those players. Well, I think if you look at the Sevens influence there, you've got Fitzpatrick, Flula, you've got Woodman, you've got Tilly, mm. but you've also got Hidani who's making some great decisions in terms of that turnover space as well. They are so used to being in open fields where they're having to cover and make decisions in, in high-pressure situations where they're more vulnerable. They've got more people around them in support, so it's almost giving them confidence that they can go. They're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm in for a kill here because I know I've got the support of more people around me. And they're making the right decisions. And even when they're short, Flula is the best connector to those outsides because she almost gets up, shows herself, a little bit like Fiki Toa used to do. He'd show, show face and then they pull out and use the sideline as their friend and it makes the attacking team have to make those decisions, which is then creating the turnover opportunities. And because in sevens, Fitzpatrick, Flula, Woodman all and Tui are supposed to be able to get over the ball and get turnovers. They're doing that on the edge as well, which is so, so crucial. And those wide breakdowns, um, you know, they're attacking and, and they're getting the rewards for it. 
They used their two big kicking options, Tubic and Holmes, off the bench. Um, how did you feel that worked, Brent? Well, I think we did talk about it, the kicking game, and, you know, with the likes of how they are going to play. Um, the back three, you know, are not well-known kickers, but they're very good when it comes to the attacking side. But, you know, what I did like um, was Kendra Coxedge and DeMont, obviously using those kicks. Kendra, off both feet, was able to get in behind with box kicks and attacking top kicks and showed a range of our kicking game. And DeMont, actually, when she did kick, you know, they were kicking nice and long. But I think it does fall back into that, having more kicking options on the bench. And I like having uh, Tubic and Holmes in there because... They can do that because you look at the English game and it was it was raining the whole time. Will we be able to have the same skill set and execute under pressure with the weather conditions like that? And look, let's hope it's a sunny day, but we haven't been tested until that first test match we played against the Wallaroos when it was wet and raining and it's a little bit harder to attack. So I do like having Tubic and Holmes in there for that exact reason. Um, they can kick, but if it does rain as well, then they've got the opportunity to be able to go to the kicking game. You'd like to think they're prepared for that if it does happen. Yeah, I think after the weekend, I'm a lot more comfortable with them on the bench than probably previously. I, you know, it was the first time I'd seen Demant really kick long and, and find space. I think mm. it was the 11th minute. She, you know, it was I think it was a quick throw-in, or they were under a little bit of pressure, and she just put it downfield, and and it was a decent-sized kick. So they've definitely got it in their artillery. And I agree with you, Bryn. Kendra's decision-making on the back of the forward platform that she's getting gives her the ability to know when to pass, know when to run, and know when to kick and put that ball in behind. So. With those two starting the game, um, and if it doesn't go to plan, you have to feel for a brunt a little bit because she's performed really well, but the balance doesn't work because Fitzpatrick and Flula are going so well. They probably don't need to be subbed. They're 80-minute players. So then it's like, OK, we've got Holmes and, and Tubic that can cover 10 if anything happens there, but it also gives us that ability to bring one of the live-wire explosive players in the back three off. So it's just a better balance of side for them, and, and I think the bench as I said, more suited after the weekend's performance to see that they've actually got the ability to kick long. So I guess for the French, who you look at the Six Nations, how many times um, the English were able to kick back to them and they were able to counter-attack and using their electrifying wingers, um, it's a little bit different when we don't give them opportunities to be able to do that. Sorry, ladies, that was just my uh, the was, bath in the background. That was the toilet. Um, <laughs> the the toilet talking was, to you? Uh, and, uh, having a bath in the background, so uh, apologies <laughs> that. But... Um, but uh, no, look, that's probably the reason why I don't think they're going to get a lot of opportunities, to be honest, with our kicking game. But um, if they do, you look at the likes on the weekend with their wingers and um, their fullback, you know, they've got the ability to be able to attack. Whether they're going to be able to do that, because I actually think defensively, our pressure and the way that we defend, be very, very questionable to see if they're going to be able to get around us. Yeah, we've just got to make sure we've got that backfield cover. Though, you know, you've got to just yeah. run that dual, dual um, um, fullback role because they do, France have the ability to kick long and you know, 50-22s or um, pinning us in our corner and then, you know, if we chance our arm and force an error, it can become a weapon for them as well. So they're not, yes, they've got the ability to counter-attack, but they're, they're probably their biggest strength is getting their kicking game right. Mm. Now, both of you, I think you had your power rankings on the money through the tournament. England, New Zealand, France and Canada. Going into the semi-final, um, do you think that it's New Zealand or France as number two? For me, it's New Zealand yeah. at the moment. Um, after the weekend, honestly, before the weekend, I would have said the French have got, the, you know, the, probably the higher order in terms of their forward dominance. That forward dominance hasn't gone anywhere. I'm not saying they've underperformed. I just after the weekend, I just see us having the ability to win this at home. I, I, I don't know. Um, it is on the back of what I've seen um, in the forwards, but it was just that complete nature and the ability of that kicking game. Um, I just feel we can get ourselves out of trouble. Uh, we don't have to run everything at all costs, and, and, and that change of mindset was 
showing on the weekend. Is this the semi-final or is this the trophy? No, there's a big hurdle in yeah. England. You'd have to say it's England are still favourites. Yeah. Have to. They haven't done anything to you know, lose that. You wouldn't want to play them in the rain, Bryn. That was incredible. Well, that's it, you know, you know. But in saying that, you've got to be able to prepare for that for that opportunity. But I agree with Jip. I actually think, you know, we've moved into second with the growth that we've had throughout the progression of this tournament. And you know, that Italian side, you know, ten three at half time, and um, you know, a few things here and there. It was a very, very difficult work for the French. We ended up going over the top of them in that second half. But look, I think um, you asked me twelve months ago if we were going to be in a position right now to actually be in competitive against France. I think. We're more than competitive, and I'm backing us to be able to get their win in a tight game because the growth that we've shown throughout this um, coaching regime that's been that's been brought in, um, there's been so much growth and improvements in that team. And so, um, yeah, I'm thinking definitely our second, France third, and then you know the Canadians uh, to top out the top four. They should be incredibly proud of themselves. Come what may, whatever happens this weekend, the turnaround has been full of heart and courage and intellect and ability. It's been something to be proud of. Oh, absolutely. But I, I don't think it stops there. I almost get that um, the sense of that moment in the Highlanders documentary when Jamie Joseph is like, no one backs you. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like when you start making, um, you know, whatever happens. But yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be disappointed if they fall at this hurdle. I yeah. genuinely do. Um, because I think they've earned the right to challenge for the cup. I, I do. I, I am, I'm a lot more positive and buoyed after the weekend. And I just think um, they've now got themselves in a position to win this thing at home and I just think that's one hell of a motivator. Chip, you say it all the time in big in big games, the front, the the, the eight, are going to yeah. have to do a big job on the weekend because if they can win that at set-piece, win their own set-piece ball, and definitely the scrum time. And the good thing that I've liked about it, Chip, on attacking side, when they have had the ball, they've been able to have solutions and get that quick hook with McCulley too, getting that ball out quick to be able to then attack, attack off that. So, um, yeah, they'll be in for a big week and I can imagine Wayne Smith will have a few probably visitors uh, coming in to be able to rev the girls up and give them a great mindset um, against the French. I, I think a lot of plaudits, I know the back five are playing a big part at scrum time and they're generating a lot of power and they've got better through the tournament, but some of the bind work, and it's going to be too hard to explain here, of love and rule mm. um, to get dominance. You know, If we use love as an example, great long bind, even a little bit on the shorts, which isn't allowed, but she's got full control of her <laughs> opponent before it's even, even the balls in. You can just see it. You know if you've got the scrum done and dusted and it was the same when Murray came on and, and Rule you know, emptied the tank as, as long as she could. Um, they, they have developed so much in their scrummaging um, and, and I think they've got themselves in such a confident position that they know when they're in control and when they're not and that's a big difference between going in there and guessing. Mm. Um, and I, I think they are the cornerstone of the turnaround because the same power, yes, there's some improvements in body shape and that transfer of that power from eight through to the locks and, and the Lucy staying on for long periods, but those two two props have, have been massive um, in, in the turnaround and, and they were huge on the weekend. Another huge job from Mike Cron. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, he is just so gifted when it comes to um, teaching the art of scrummaging, but it's the way he articulates it. He, it's the way he makes you come up with the solution yourself. He doesn't give you the answer. He almost draws it out of you, and, mm -hmm. and that's when you, you get that ownership and you get that better understanding. Yeah, and they're all like his children. <laughs> well, all the scrums. Yeah. No, every, every, every scrum, every front every row. Scrums a, loves a every child. front row around the oh. world like a child. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah, it's going to be bloody exciting to see how this goes. Yeah, oh, I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah. Now... Are you as pumped after watching that All Blacks Japan? Um, 
I, I'm going to use the word, word fiasco. I just, it, it was a step backwards. It was a step back to the Irish series. It was a step back to a place where they appeared to have little direction and little clarity and were ineffective. I suppose where it was a step to for me was that first test against the Springboks where we tried to you know, sort of go to width too early. We didn't go through first and we almost just thought it was going to happen. Um, and you saw that we got caught behind the advantage line, we got caught kicking not on our terms um, and playing into their hands a little bit. Um, but if you looked at Hoskins Satudu's try, it was almost like it got to 28-24 and they are like, no, actually, we just need to roll our sleeves up. And that's their blueprint. That's what they've done, is they've just gone direct through the middle um, with that eight, and then they just got the, they sucked in the defenders. There were still threats out wide, so it created the space for someone like Hoskins to do his thing, hit and spin and score. But it was off the back of just doing simple carries, hard cleans, um, and, and that's that is their game. And I know Jace Ryan will be, you know, articulating that throughout the week as well. How does that message not get to them through the first sixty odd minutes of the test, though, Brent? Well, I just think it shows, like, you know, they probably would have done their preview around, you know, opportunities and probably playing with a bit of ball in the air. And, you know, if they were able to do that, because probably I thought the execution was a little bit off around little offloads and little knock-ons at bad times. But, um, you know, defensively, you know, the Japanese were tackling around that 91%, making really good dominant shoulders. And it was actually quite hard for us to be able to take. I even look in that first 10 minutes, um, you know, very good defensive line. Then we went to our kicking game, which was going off 10, but probably just a little bit too far. The ones that were contestable, Cater Clark was really able to get back and then we were able to attack off that. But um, I just thought there's got to be um, some, some, I guess, some, some clapping for the, for, the, uh, for the Japanese because they were outstanding. I don't know how many times defensively, uh, to be honest, if they were able to just hold on to the ball a little bit more through the offloads, you know, they could have scored maybe two more tries and this could have actually been a win for the Japanese. And so their execution was just a little bit off. But, um, yeah, coming back to Jip's point and what it seems to be like with the All Blacks at the moment is the breakdown. If we just aren't going through them and getting that quick ball and being efficient at the breakdown and getting just going through the mindset, we don't seem to be able to get them in that positions where we're having the front football, kicking on our terms, and being able to, I guess, exert pressure through that way. You've got to give credit to... It's a hell of a coaching lineup when you see the camera pan to that Japanese coaching mm. box. Like, there's some, some years of experience in IP in there, but, you know, Mitchell is really experienced, and I think he knew... I thought Roger had a great game. I thought he was exceptional in, in what he was um, you know, doing in his role as an individual. But I think it showed the All Blacks attack without Harvilli there as a kick bailout or uh, an attacking kicking option doesn't allow you to slow their defence. And that's a big factor in what's turned the All Blacks game around is that kick option off Harvilli, mm. whether it be attacking or his 50-22s. That all fell on Richie and they knew that. So they just kept coming. They, they were just like that swarming defence that we saw in that first test against the Springboks. And that's just smart coaching. They, they saw the team that was selected. They probably knew Davey wasn't going to be picked. And that's not on Rog. It's just that's the nature of the, of the skill sets that each have. And, and they'll be looking to improve off each other from it. But that was a big catalyst in allowing that Japanese defence to just keep coming, keep coming. Obviously, we weren't getting the platform we'd like up front, but you... I always say, like, if you run the same move, you get in the same spot, the throws that are good, you've got to accept that you're going to lose a couple, and if you do, you just got to acknowledge that. And Derns and Cornelson are big men. Like, it is, you know, we, we laughed about um, Paripari and um, 
Holland last week for the Highlanders and how hard that's going to be. Like they, like Bryn said, you've got to credit their pack a little bit. Like they, they, they stood up and they performed. You know, I would say I've commentated a number of Japanese top league games. That is the best I've seen Tens play. Like he, he stepped up in the big moment. So there were some reasons as to why we didn't quite get our attack going. Um, and, and you know, the simplicity of being direct, but also, you know. The change of personnel did change the balance of our attack. And I look at the preparation side for the for the Japanese boys as well. You know, been lucky to be over here, and the kind of preparation that they had before that test match has been really, really good. They were in camp for about six to seven weeks, just being able to fine tune things, knowing that the India tour is coming and the All Blacks were coming. Had some great development games against the Australian A, and been able to use their squad and playing and getting that cohesion, been able to play every single week. And look at the All Blacks side, and this is probably not we don't use this as an excuse, but you know, four weeks away from not playing and training and getting to be able to be on the training paddock and then bringing in new players in different positions, like you said. You know, I thought Roger was great around his ability of where he's come with his rugby. His distribution was good at times, had some really good dominant runs and some good carries, but I think you're right, Chip. It's the ability to be able to use that kicking game. And if you, if you don't get that, as you know, like you said with John Mitchell, he's probably thinking, let's just bring 14 men, 13 men up, make good decisions around the ruck and let them play with the ball and be able to get turnouts off of that. Because, look, the likes of Hamino who I thought was outstanding on the weekend. Um, it gives them guys like that to have opportunities at the breakdown to slow it down and then force the All Blacks to do something that they don't want to do. Where does Jimeno sit in, like, the, I suppose, the rankings in world rugby for open side flankers? Because he's been impressive for a number of years now. He reminds me of Quagga Smith. You know, he's that sort of short, stocky seven. He's great around the ball. Uh, he's a strong, aggressive carrier, and he just goes all day. Like, that's the like-for-like like I see in him. Um, but he's, he's definitely pushing into the top three or four. Um, by far, and, and he's doing it against the best side. He, he'll he'll have a big job ahead of him this week against England, but um, they'll you know, they'll just relish that challenge. As, as underdogs, it's sometimes really nice being underdogs. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got nothing to lose, you can throw everything at it, and um, the pressure's on on the opposition. And you saw that. Um, but I must admit, like the desperation and um, the clinical nature of that last few minutes by the All Blacks when the game was in the balance and leading to Dalton's turnover. Man, that's what you want to see for the full 80, isn't it? You know, they were just men possessed. They were not losing that game at all costs. They were, they were just going to peg them down there and hold them there until they got that turnover, and that's exactly what they did. I suppose that's some lessons learned from this year. Massive, uh, and I, you know, I still think it is going to hold us in good stead um, for the World Cup because there's potentially you're going to have to call on these players in pressure situations, and having felt that against Japanese away from home and, and finding a way out the other side. I know everyone expects them to be beaten, but I actually think it's unfair. When you go through their side, like even a guy like Riley in the centre, like he was the match winner um, for Panasonic in the Japanese top league. He's some player, you know, like he's gone over there and he's yeah. built his career and he is, he is a, <laughs> a clinical operator at 13. Um, they, they should have some confidence going into 2023. Um, and the focus that that coaching group's putting in, they've got a fantastic leader, um, and, and they are just men that whatever you tell them to do, they will turn up and they'll deliver on it, and they'll be relentless about it. You obviously believe this is a big nod to the top league. I, I do. I, I think like it excites me in the sense of where Super Rugby Pacific can go and potentially, I don't, I, I'm not saying they join, but have some crossover or um, some sort of Champions League trophy that's you know, played between everyone. Because I think those top four or five sides are now preparing, maybe even six, with Brenner's side in there somewhere, um, are now preparing um, 
the Japanese you know, eligible players, but also the Japanese um, local players for international level. Like that, although it might not have been the All Blacks top side, that was some serious talent in that All Blacks team in the 23 out there. And they stood up and nearly stole it. Well, I mean, last time it happened, Bryn, I think you were, you were in well, you, and around the All Blacks camp yeah. the last time and it was a 50, 60 point win, That's right? Exactly. That's exactly it. Like, you look at the last three results, 54-6 in 2013, 69-31 in 2008, which isn't that long ago. And then to be in a position to almost really win that match, it just shows where the level of the Japanese rugby is in the moment. And look, I haven't been in the top league and been able to experience what that's been like for a long period of time. But just being over here and understanding the, I guess, the New Zealand influence, the South African influence, the Australian influence, the coaches in different parts of in, in Japan, these Japanese boys are getting upskilled at a very high level. So um, I'm not surprised at all with the result on the weekend because I've seen how these boys train. I see how what their mindset is and it's been able to just little things here and there with when it comes to the mindset around big moments and decisions and those kind of um, in those kind of games. That's probably the only area that I see the difference. Um, this is just at my level, but I can only imagine you know, you've got a great coaching group that will be able to just slowly keep tuning that away, keep being able to change that mindset. And once they get that right, man, they are going to be well because the physicality thing we know was the biggest probably thing for them four or five years ago. But that now... You know, if you look at it on the weekend, physically wasn't a problem at all. The the investment they're putting into the international program as well. Like, there's always been massive investment at club land, but the investment they are putting, like Bryn said, six or seven week lead in to this. Like, they they are making every effort to make sure they are competitive in every test. And I think they are getting, they are seeing the reward for that. That that diligence that prepared to put their money where their mouth is and, and be a genuine seat at the, the international rugby table, and, and they're doing it. Yeah, that will be interesting to see what happens, like you say, against England on November 12th. Jamie Joseph. It is that consistency, though, isn't it? It is. That is yeah. that is the key for them. Like, this is going to sound... It is easy to get up for a, a game playing the All Blacks. Mm. You know, it's sort of like... Um, how do I put it? You know, similar to here in New Zealand, no sides going into playing the Crusaders underdone. You know, they're going in as underdogs. Crusaders are favourites. Same in the NRL. Storm now probably the Panthers are the favourites. They're getting everyone's best game. So it is that consistency and making sure that they have that edge of preparation and that clear understanding and the methodical approach to cleaning rucks, nailing their lineouts, making their tackles and executing when they get the opportunity like they did in, in scoring points. Um, and, and that'll be the key going into this English test. And not just consistently upsetting people every four years, consistently upsetting people every year to the point where it's no longer an upset. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, that Jamie Joseph comment um, was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but I think absolutely true when he said that they'll take on a better team in England on November 12. When you look at that All Blacks lineup and you look at what they're likely to face in England... It's hard to argue that they're going to be up against a better team in England. Potentially a different style, though. Hmm. You know, like it is hard to say. I just think there's such differing styles that. Um, but yeah, if if England, we haven't seen the English team named yet. Yeah. So let's just let's probably just yeah wait and see on that <laughs> as well. I'd say that no, unfortunately, not. Maybe after the All Blacks result, they may sharpen, you know, change their lineup a little bit. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see, um, but I, I, I won't be agreeing with that just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the All Blacks had picked Bryn their top team, then I would say it's an argument that's hard Probably to have. Even, but when, yeah. when you're playing England at Twickenham, 
you know, yeah. it's not a good, it's not an easy place to go and do it. No, well, it's not. It's not a, and they haven't traditionally travelled well over to the northern hemisphere. A different climate, a different style of rugby, and you know, it's probably good playing the All Blacks because you know they want to throw the ball around and you can have that kind of expensive gain and knowing that's what you're going to get. But you know, the English, like we've said, they have the ability to be able to do that. But the set piece, being able to be really strong at set piece. But the great thing for the Japanese on the weekend, the line-out drive, which I thought they did really well defensively, and that's something they're going to really have to try and continue that um, throughout the Northern Hemisphere tour. But, um, yeah, look, it's going to be, about, be all about consistency with them because they'd be obviously having a goal. They've been in a camp for a very long time. Never they, even though they did get a good result against the All Blacks, you know, they'll be wanting to come away with the win or being as competitive as they were against these top tier nations in the next couple of weeks. I think, you know, if you look, as I mentioned, Hoskins Institute's trial, the lead up to that is that direct nature is what they're going to face against England and potentially against bigger bodies. Yeah. They are going to have to come up with a solution to. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Get those bodies to ground quicker and, and stop that because... If I was the English coach, I would see that and go, that's the blueprint forwards, please deliver that. Don't You don't need to do anything special, just go direct, clean early and give us fastball and we'll do the rest. With guys like Marcus Smith marching and all that, they've got enough wheels, enough firepower to do just as much as the All Blacks, but I think you know they, they have a big pack England, so that'll be Japan's biggest challenge. Mm, the English play Argentina this week, so they'll, you know, that'll have a nice little warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> Game two. Yeah, yeah. When you look at what happened on the weekend, one, we've got Brodie Retallick, who could face um, a sanction off that red card. I think it wasn't even the first incident in that game. No. You know, if you want to follow Brodie on a camera for a game, you're going to catch at least... But I think there was a number of yeah. them from other players as well, which yeah. is that leading to that inconsistency a little bit, which it, you can see the frustration. But I, I thought at the time, Bryn, you know, and fortunately we got another look at one... Um, in the morning with um, Gilchrist, no, Young, the, the reserve lot for Scotland, um, did one on Tate McDermott, which I felt was more direct contact to the head and, and it was a yellow. So then it, I know we can't expect consistency of red or yellow, but it does, do you know how it just confuses players a little bit? But at the time I thought, it just shows you the day of, um, you know how so often you could give tips and then there'd be that separation of ball carrier and cleaner? And you could still recover that space. Yep. With with this new focus on cleanouts around you know heads and neck, and you can't neck roll. Yeah. There was no other option for Brody. Like he almost just had to not clean it. Mm. And yep. and because of the rules, so it just shows that again going back to you need that direct nature. You're probably not going to be able to get this offload game going. And you know mm. if there's a split between that clean and carrier. 
you're putting yourself as the attacking team under huge vulnerability to lose that ball and or players making a decision to try and remove the body and end up with a red card. Especially what the All Blacks are going to face in the Europe the Europe tour, Jim. You know, they're so good around that breakdown area. And if you, you know, we, we do want to play our tips. So you see on the weekend, we want to obviously go inside and outside and be able to go through that same. But, you know, you look at, even look at the Scottish on the weekend against the the, um, the Australians, who I thought, you know, were trying to attack and play an expensive brand. But, bang, straight on the ball, three penalties within the first 10 minutes. And if you don't get that right. And so, you know, and the, you talk around consistency, Jim. Like, the bicep to the head. Like it's still to the head. Yeah. Like I don't you know, there's get some, that. What's the what's the difference from going head to head, which we've seen red cards because it's gone to the head. So you're talking about consistency. I thought was like that's a red card, but a bicep, the terminology, the consistency, inconsistency. Um, yeah, I was pretty confused around knowing uh, that that wasn't a red card. It's almost like, and I don't know if this is right, but it's like trying to get the refs to use the same language. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but you, you may see it different as an individual ref. But if you can use the same language as to why, then that takes the grey out of it. It's just like, it shouldn't be... What if he went in for a normal clean and he mistakenly, you know, catches his elbow, not his bicep? Yeah. It's quite like... Rugby's a tough sport in terms of split seconds. There's no intent there between bicep and elbow, but it makes a huge difference apparently. And I just don't know if that's fair. Like, obviously, I say it all the time, like, left the game with concussion. I'm not saying that head issues isn't an issue and we shouldn't find solutions. I just don't know if this is going to bring about the, the real change that we need. What I found a little crazy about it, and you talked about Brody not having a choice necessarily, well, having to make a choice between hitting or not hitting. Yeah, and just let him have if it. If a person is that low to the ground, the chances of them actually maintaining their own body weight Agreed. are minimal. So as a mitigating factor in a circumstance like this, is the fact that the bloke who's over the ball should it's probably be penalised because he's not holding his weight or her weight. Um, you know, what's... And that's the first offence, is potentially his elbows are on the grass and he's so low to the ground he's not holding his own body weight and then a lot of trust comes in it to go okay well I'm not going to clean him because he's too low but then is the ref going to make the decision on the, the mm. picture I'm seeing you know like you just don't have time to think like that you, you've got no. body a man on the ball your ball you need to move him like it just becomes too too difficult yeah um, but I mean like anything we've faced these challenges before and there will become a solution of removing bodies like that. Um, there's enough coaches around the world that will know that this is going to become more of a focal point. It was the high tackle, but clearly players' behaviours have changed, so that's not as much of the focus point. Now it's in and around the breakdown and clearing that up. Mm. It's hard to see it being cleaned up. It's hard. It's easy to see. Well, it's it not going to be over this cards. this yeah. northern tour. No. no. Um, unfortunately, we're probably going to see a few people get it wrong as well, um, and and it's just going to put the ref in a position where. He's going to have to make a decision, but yeah, I, I think you, yeah. I, I feel like a yellow card potentially is the right threshold. It was, it, it could have really lost Scotland the game. Like mm. it was still a big punishment. Like obviously, slipper scores during that period. Um, you know, if anything, you could actually say it did lose them the game, even though they did butcher some opportunities themselves. But do you know what I mean? Like it was quite a big period for for the Wallabies to come back, and then you know the red card put defensively, the All Blacks under huge pressure. You know, Japan had more line breaks than the All Blacks, which you know you probably wouldn't have picked before the game. Um, and then let it 
at the judicial hearing potentially play out there from the yellow card and maybe they deemed it as a red or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just think a red, for Brodie's, that is really, really hard. I just don't know what else he could do. But you always talk around with ball in hand, you've got to be able to get yourself in a position where you can move on the ground and get a good place and then be in the early winning the race. But sometimes you're just not going to be able to do that. And it's 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 positions like that where it's just like his his head is pretty much on the ground and you've got to make a decision right then and there. I've got to clean him out or I just leave it there, give away a penalty and, you know, they're 40 metres down with a the, with the kick, you know what I mean? So um, whether the mitigating factor, Jip, is if his head's below the body or, like, you know, if, if there's a long place ruck and he's below that and it's close to the ground, that might be a mitigating factor, but then it takes away, like you said, Jip, people going head on and going into those ruck and flying at the heads. But, um, I, yeah, it's pretty tough. I don't even think it's that. I don't even think we need to create a new thing. I think it's the clear rule is you've got to lift the ball. If your head's on the ground, you can't lift the ball. So if they're mm. lifting the ball, their head's up. So then that gives you a target area that you can clean them fairly. You can slip an arm through here and clean them out fairly. So he probably should have just been penalised for not holding his body weight or having a genuine attempt. Because that's the old school way of jackling that, just that lean over and just stay there and absorb the clean. Yeah. Whereas the rule states now you've got to have a genuine attempt of ripping the ball up. That was never done. So potentially... That could have been blown up before even Brody got to that clean. And then if you are ripping the ball, you're providing that space for a fair contest. And that's all you're after. And if you're doing it legally and you can't rip the ball, then it's a penalty against the person Straight away. on the ground. So, And we probably don't get to the clean-out point. Yeah. We there you go, it. World Rugby. We solved it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. And this Get is why people Take sometimes World watch Rugby, rugby League. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to, we've got to, plenty of time for both. When you league and union. We don't have to introduce a new thing. I was like, praise <laughs> the Lord. We do not need a new thing. This game is complicated <laughs> enough as it stands. The Welsh, their injury woes are serious. When you go through this list, Halfpenny, North, Adams, Bigger, Anscombe, Faletau, it is going to be really hard for them to win this game without those names. Yes, it will be. Um, we potentially don't know, you know, like uh, we potentially aren't going to have Brody as Sam Whitelock back in the mix. We've lost Kane and Coles, mm. really key members of our squad as well. So it is potentially offset. Um, and one thing you look at that, the way they fought and probably should have won in South Africa. I think they've got enough there. Yeah. I, I just I feel like they've got enough there, but and also you've got to feed off, um, you know, the comments of um, Japan and the sense of that psychological, um, you know, disbelief being there anymore. Like they would have to, you know, we know Pivac will be really clear, and he'll know he'll have to beat them with, you know, with attack and and bring that rush defence. I, I don't know. There has to be a sense of belief in that camp. Um, there's no expectation for them to win. They have nothing to lose. It, it just is weighted, um, you know, probably in their favour at the moment. You know, we're having to travel there. You know, there's just a few factors. If there's ever a time, uh, well, uh, you yeah. know, you have to look at the season. If there's ever a time, they have to believe in themselves. Mm. And I think that's a really good point, Jeff, because, you know, we talked around, you know, when the South Africa, when they had the South African series, we were going 3-0. South Africa before that series and having well, that, that hey, let's, let's, let's not bring that back up because it's got a bit of abuse of that Jeez, um, now I just said the so, Welsh should have won that series oh I'm going to get killed I'm going to get slammed yeah but you know like there were no expectations around that and sometimes you know 
having that no, no expectation and then at the same time they must be buoyed by their japanese performance and you know again they'll get a little bit more of a strong of an all blacks team but you know like you said i think they've had four losses this year um they're not playing consistently in the areas that we think that they should be doing every single week but the breakdown which you know the Welsh have some very good features and you know they're playing the six nations and understanding that physicality is massive in that in that department of the world so look i think you know if it gets tired and they give themselves an opportunity i think that's the one that they would want wanted to have give themselves an opportunity to win that test match 10 15 minutes to go and put all that pressure back on the all blacks that's been given to them throughout the whole year um and then you know they could steal one um, but you know it doesn't help that they do have injuries but Knowing Wayne Peebert, we sat here last year and we talked about it, you know, no doubt he'll be talking around his mindset and getting that right to, to try and beat the Orlicks for the first time in a very long time. And I hope they go back to, because it was the one test last Northern Tour that they were impressive. And guys like Artie, um, and now they're going to have a player like Samasoni Takeo who just went direct. They picked through the middle, they got him behind, they were relentless with their leg drive, they just were, you know, there was no tips, there was no nothing, it was just simple footy, clean out, fast ball, and they dominated and that is going to be the same you know thing needed and i think in our in our favor you know i talked about the guys we're missing but you know we're going to get to see a good chunk of dalton Papali and, and and you know his power game he's a power athlete and what he can bring um you know sam whitelock coming back hopefully um you know does shore up the line out um issues you know he is the magician of all magicians when it comes to line out and and you've seen how much samasoni's grown um, under under Sam Whitelock in terms of his ability to throw, so there is a, quite a lot um, of excitement in, in our camp as well. Uh, but I just don't think it is as straightforward as previous years where we've sat here and said, "Oh, it's an All Blacks one." Looking at those injuries outside of Falatau, they're All Blacks. So if they've got their best forward pack to choose from, and their best forward pack can do what they did in South Africa, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly a platform. Well, I just. You know, like test match rugby is one on the finest margins, and those finest margins normally revolve around the pack delivering something, either a breakdown or set piece. And I think if you've seen with the All Blacks this year, that's how you beat them. You know, if you can beat, not beat them up, but if you can slow down their ball, um, being able to put pressure on them through that way, that's where we've had our losses this year. And so, you know, there are backs, there are injuries in the backs, but you know, if those forwards can come to the party, slow down the ball, frustrate the All Blacks, whether it be their clean out entry or by not being able to get there early enough to win races. And just slowly build momentum, being able to put them under pressure because, like I said, you know Argentina have done it this year. Who we thought, you know, wouldn't wouldn't do it, or you know Australia or South Africa, whoever it may be. There have been challenging moments um, for the All Blacks this year, and so there's no better time than the Welsh to get that right as a fourth pack. The Scottish, we touched on them just before. They had another chance there, and they should have beaten Australia. Oh, they should have. They should, you know, you look at the 25th minute, uh, two plotu line open, power runner. I think he had um, the winger to beat Wright. You'd, you'd back him, and Wright was coming from a distance. You'd back him to score, he drops it. From there, they quick tap. You know, game was lost by one. They quick tap, they, they get held up. Eventually, from there, Australia go down and they get three. Um, the 55th minute, um, fantastic break. And then, you know, I think it was Gilchrist just running onto it and he just drops it cold. From there, the subsequent yellow card came from the breakdown before. Wallabies go down, they score. And then the 68th minute, and this is the biggest moment I feel, Foley misses touch, and it goes between Van der Merwe and Smith, and they both look at each other because they're like, are you catching it? And then they let it bounce out. From there, the Wallabies get a penalty, and that's the penalty that takes them to 16-15. And that is all in their control. 
that they weren't put under any pressure from the Wallabies, that is all in their control. And, and they will look at this, and they still had the opportunity to kick the goal, but I don't want it to rest on um, you know, his, his shoulders alone. There, were, there was time and time again where they could have been better throughout that 80 minutes to not even make it that close. Mm. It was yeah. unfortunate for Kinghorn because when you see the chat that's happened around Finn Russell, and admittedly Finn Russell couldn't have played in this game because it was outside of the November window and Racing 92 probably wouldn't have let him go for that game the same way that Hogg wasn't exited from Exeter for this game. You must feel for this guy a little bit, Bryn. Like he's a young guy getting his first crack at 10. The talk is all about this enigma who's been left out of the side, and then he hears that kick. It's you know it's unlucky you know for a young guy like that to put in that position to win a game against Australia. Um, you know it's unfortunate, but look, he had some some really great touches. You know, let alone his speed that he did for that that try and being able to use those football skills to to get it over the line. But you know they're going to back. You know probably we talked around with Noel Lolasio with the with the um, Australians. He's been able to give this guy opportunities to be able to play consecutive test matches and he showed a lot of good traits that I thought that are going to be great for him being able to move on I think that um, that aura of you know Russell was going to be always around there but you know they've trusted him and wanted to give him the opportunity to do that and I agree with Jip with 15 it was 15 6 with 20 minutes to go and they had you know five or six opportunities whether it be line out knock on all in their control so it doesn't fall on Kinghorn and being able to say that you lose the test match on on that kick you know from the outside and you're just watching as a, as a spectator, you think King Hall should have got that. But look, they had five or six opportunities that they just squandered. And, you know, they'll be looking back at this test match and thinking we should have done this way before that King Horn 79th penalty to win the game. You, you could look at it on the other sense. They wouldn't even been that close had he not played. Mm. Like he played, he was probably yeah. the best player in the park. Um, he, you know, in terms of putting them in a position to win it. So, yeah, he missed some kicks. Like that's going to happen. Um, but without mm. him out there, you know, that individual brilliance, that, that desperation to get that ball first kick and run 70, you know, so often not that doesn't come out the way it does. Um, also, the other mm. guy I was really impressed with and, and another guy that wasn't released in Hogg, but Smith at fullback. Mm. Man, his feet to score that try well, it was, was exceptional. But also his kick coverage, Bruno, like a yeah. number of times like it was either short or it went long and he had the ability to adjust and pick it up. Um, and he just, he just seems elusive like he just like um sort of like ben smith you know or, or even like matt duffy a little bit you know you don't think you know they're big men yeah. but they just seem to always come out the other side um yeah i was yeah. really impressed with him good ball runner good athlete and probably the only thing you'd say when he scores that try is he had two on the outside and he's lucky he scored oh, so he is, yeah, um, yeah. that's a bit of use um, but um now look when you've got guys like that you know we talk around the rugby world cup that's coming up and you've got two guys hogg and uh, russell that have been there for a very long time you know they could be there come the world cup but look having those two young men um, in that position such so young um it sits well for um, for scotland and future years to come mm-hmm. uh, uh, from my point of view watching that game i've got more expectation on scotland than i did before that match you know, they were in charge of their own destiny. I didn't think, I thought the Wallabies would win that convincingly. Oh, for Australia to be able to come back and get that job oh, done, yeah. you know, it shows, you talk There's... around how much pressure they're on and the kind of, you know, what were they under like, four, I can't remember what the match, what, what they were saying the stats were, but they have one bugger all in the last 10 test matches. So we talked around Scotland and winning that game and trying to build some momentum for that young squad that's going to be get given opportunities um, to be able to come back. I thought, to be honest, I saw 15-6. And I was like, oh, this is down the barrel for another loss here for the Australians. But to their credit, showed a bit of grit and, and, you know, got the job done. But I don't think you can ever... Well, I haven't been able to question the Wallabies' grit for a few years now. Like, they just do hang in the fight. They are one side that just doesn't go away. 
very rarely are they beaten well and truly, especially under Dave Rennie's reign. It just, you know what it's like. It just wouldn't be accepted. Um, you know, so yes, they'd like to win more, but I, you, you knew it was going to be close. You knew there was going to be some sort of a comeback, but um, Scotland did gift it to them. They presented on the platter, and, and the Wallabies were good enough to take it to their credit. Now, Scotland are currently sitting sixth in the official world rugby rankings. Australia are well, well below that. Um, let's have a look at what we're seeing heading into this first big weekend of the Autumn Internationals, as they call them. The official world rankings say Ireland, France, South Africa, New Zealand, England, Scotland, Wales, Argentina. Now, let's look at that top four to start with. Is that right, that top four? I mean, there'd be an argument to say the All Blacks could, your All Blacks in South Africa could switch in the sense that it was 1 1 away from home and, and obviously in the Springboks home. Um, but they, I'd say the fact that they won their June series rightfully puts them mm. um, ahead of the All Blacks at the moment. For you, Bryn? I'm the same. You know, I would, you'd want to say England, possibly they'll come up, but just with their Six Nations performance and I guess where they are, um, I'd probably just have them where they are, but you could flip it with New Zealand. The fact that they didn't win the Rugby Championship, they got the job done, um, and it was 1-1 against the South Africans, you'd think that that would be the only change that I'd have. But look, Ireland and France, they are arguably, they were they easily, sorry, the um, the best two teams in, in the world at the moment. If, if I was looking at that going into the 2023 World Cup, though, I'd put France at one because they're at home. I just think that's such a massive... Do you know what I mean? That would be a big thing that would differentiate those two. But other than that, it's it's probably correct with what Ireland did in, in New Zealand. Um, pretty impressive. So as an extension of that, when you look through England, Scotland, Wales, Argentina, five through eight, which ones of those teams do you think could force their way in through these autumn internationals into that top four? Well, I agree with Brent. I think England, if they can win all of them and obviously beat the All Blacks, then they, they rightfully push their way in. I think you have to think the Wallabies push their way into the top eight mm. as well. It just doesn't seem right that they're not there. Um, and I know the results haven't been there, but I think they they need a big tour. They need to stump up with Ws, and they, they, they'll definitely, iron will be sharpening iron this week after the performance on the weekend, so you've got to think they can squeeze in um, to the eight. Um, and I, I'm a little bit surprised that Wales is below Scotland. I think they've got the ability to potentially uh, jump over the top of them as well. Iron will be sharpening iron. Yeah. <laughs> well, there'll be a lot of breakdowns being clean. And, um, <laughs> iron will be sharpening iron. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you know, we haven't had a jipper commentary for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to get one in there. We've been missing out on these gems. Little one-liners. Oh, I'll be hearing it. With the Japan Top League very shortly, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> you better look after me over Christmas. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, let's have a quick look ahead to the week ahead then. Let's make some picks. Obviously, we've got the Women's World Cup. Let's start with that. Both games at Eden Park on Sunday, New Zealand time. New Zealand versus France. Black fans. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the black fans. Come on. Yeah. Come on, girls. Uh, obviously, England. Yeah, no brainer. No offence to Canada, but... Yeah. yeah, straightforward. So that's our final. The men's games. Uh, a couple of interesting ones in here. Scotland v Fiji. Scotland's consistency just concerns me. Because <laughs> I, I got on their bandwagon so heavy last um, Northern Tour, and then they, they obviously hit the wall. So 
Um, you'd you'd have to think at home they'll they'll win over Fiji. Yeah, I think they'll be ruining from um, obviously what happened on the weekend. So they'll um, they'll get the job done. And oh, yeah, but again, the consistency is tough. Could see Fiji easily going in there and winning as well. But um, you know, you back Scotland. You'd have to think Scotland. They'll have to get their kicking game right though. If they give too many counter attacking opportunities or un, unstructured play, um, they'll get beaten because that's Fiji's. Um, you know, it's in their DNA. So. Um, and it will be a big week for the two men we highlighted, Smith and Kinghorn. Italy v Samoa, Bryn. Samoa. I just think with with um, the coaches that they do have there, um, I think you know they'll they'll get a good result. And they've got a couple of guys coming back as well, playing for that Samoan team. So um, I'll pick the uh, the Samoans over Italy. Yeah, same. They've been up there for a bit too. So these they've they've you know they've been sharpening iron with iron too. So they'll be ready to go for, for Italy. Okay, Wales v New Zealand. All Blacks. All Blacks. All Blacks, that was straightforward. I thought there might be some more umming and ahhing after the conversation a little earlier. But, um, okay, All Blacks. Ireland versus South Africa. Oh, what a game. Yeah. A hell of a game. What a game. Oh. <laughs> I'm going, I'll go Ireland. I'm okay. going Ireland. Okay, you, you take it while I'm he figures himself out. Yeah. Oh, just, I'm just trying to work out how much abuse I want to cop this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Ireland. Ireland. Lots of abuse, as it turns yeah. out. How much you want to cop I'm this up week. for uh, plenty of <laughs> well, abuse. They are, they are the number one team ranked in the world. So, and they are at no home. No worries. And yeah. they're at home. And yeah. they're at home. Yeah. Ireland. I, on, a, on a rating scale of South Africans' hatred for you, you know, when I think about the other people they've hated over the years, whether it be Fitzy or Goldie or these other people that they've always had a crack at, I'm feeling like you're making your way I've, out. I've, I seem to be. I really like um, yeah. South Africans, but I seem to, mm. my comments seem to ruffle a few feathers. <laughs> Unintentionally. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we've got a few less French listeners to the podcast. Yeah. So France versus Australia, Bryn. Yeah, we're French. Tough one for the Aussies. Tough one. So I'll go the French. Yeah, I just can't see the Wallabies. Oh, I wish they could, but they won't. <laughs> if it did go Australia's way, it would set this whole autumn series alight. Oh, it would. Everyone would be like, what on earth is going on? The They are capable of doing it. Yeah. They are. They are. You're right. They are capable of doing it. And also the French are capable of not hitting the ground running. Still with where the French are and how we've, we talked to them last year that, you know, having bogey games or not being able to, you know, be, be the French that they used to be, they just haven't shown any of yeah, that in no. the last, you know. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah, bang on there, Brent. Yeah. Last game of the weekend, England v Argentina. England. Yeah, England. Straightforward. Well, AB's 15, Highland A. Well, there's been a few injuries that have that, and obviously gone back up. But the, the, who have they got coming back down? They've got two of us to check down and Brayden come or... down. You'd have to think New Zealand A. I'm going to back them New Zealand A. Even though Ireland A have had some great lead-up preparation um, with that group when they came and played the Maldives, um, came over here, and then they've also had the um, the tune. Who they've they've had a couple more games as well, I think, in South Africa. So um, all Black 15, but you know Ireland A will be strong. All Black 15, Sean Stevenson, player of the day. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's a team which has had a lot said about it. And so there is quite a lot on this game Massive. because of it. Yeah, Dublin. Yeah. So it is going to be a tough test. I mean, mm. and it's the, this is what this team is designed to do, is to prepare them for the pressures of Test Match Rugby so when they get there, they're ready to go. And this is, 
Oh, you'd be licking your lips if you're a player getting this opportunity Ross. to play in front of a full Dublin. house in Dublin. Yeah. Like, it's a place I never got to play and I wished I had, just to go to the Guinness factory. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice spot by the river there, mate. Yeah, well. Great. Well, boys, thank you very much once again. Goodness me, there's some rugby this weekend. How many games was that? Two in the women's, one, two, three, four, five, six big ones in the men's, plus the lower tier men's yeah. as well happening this weekend. Eight games of rugby to feast on. <laughs> How good. How good. And even a bit of T20 World Cup action. Oh, yeah, don't forget to... Feast your eyes on that. Exactly, on Sky Sport. Do not miss it. Do not miss it. <laughs> it's going to be very, very good. So, if you love your footy... Make sure you tune in to us again next week, whether it's on Sky, on Rugby Passes platforms, or as an audio pod. And make sure that you watch Sky Sport for the cricket as well, because that's going to be an absolute <laughs> ripper. And, and Glenn Phillips. If you're Glenn Phillips fan, get him behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glenn Phillips versus the world. The entertainer. Absolutely. Yeah. He's mimicking his Russell Crowe. He's in a Russell Crowe. Yeah. Yeah, are you not entertained? He puts the old arms out. Bloody good. Okay, well, thank you very much, Bryn. Jibba, thank you as well, and thank you all for tuning in. This is the second attempt at saying goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 